0: This is God's servant Dilip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed. In Jesus' name. Greetings in Jesus' name. Well, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you do in our lives. Thank you for your hand upon our lives, your goodness towards us. Your love for us, the way you disciple us, the way you teach us, the way you lead us, Lord, in the way everlasting. Today, Lord, we are in your presence. We want to receive from you. We want to hear your word. We want to hear your voice. Change us, transform us, Lord. Make us what you want us to be. Cause us to be obedient and responsive to your word. Obedient and responsive to your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Speak your word. Let it come with clarity and conviction. Open up our, our eyes to see new things. Open up our minds to understand deeper. Thank you, Lord. You have something to give each one of us. Something specific, a word in season that will minister to our situation. Thank you, Father. Thank you for everything. Give it to us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 60 and verse 7. And I shall glorify my glorious house. Amen. Blessed by that precious word that uh, Brother Royce was sharing. Peace. Spoke about peace. And He shall the the latter glory of the, Lord, of the house shall be greater than the former glory. Good to see you, Punos. I forgot to say hi to you. I've been visiting after a while. We're just a month away from uh, Christmas. How many feel of you love Christmas? Uh, the best month. Ah, your turn now. The best month, that's right. The, the, the undoubtedly, the, the best season of the year. Something about this season... Uh, that is exciting. There's something about the colors, the hues, the, the, the climate, um, the celebration, the singing, the songs, and the preparation. Everything is so, um, so encouraging. It blesses us. Amen? So uh, uh, as we are entering into the season of Christmas, I want to do an exciting read this morning from the Bible, of course. Matthew chapter 1. Verses one to seventeen, Matthew chapter one, verses one to seventeen. Say exciting read, I'm giving an exciting read. Matthew chapter one, verses one to seventeen. Hallelujah! Praise Jesus. Let's read it together. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, say Jesus the Messiah, the The son of David David. and the the son of Abraham, Ah, pass out, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron and Hezron the father of Ram. and Ram was the father of Aminadab and Aminadab was the father of Nashlon. And Nashlon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth and Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Sheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Azza. Azza was the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah was the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh the father of Ammon and Ammon the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud, and Abihud the father of Eliakim and Eliakim the father of Azor. And Azor was the father of Sadduk and Sadduk was the father of Akim. And Akim was the father of Eliud. And Eliud was the father of Eliezer. And Eliezer the father of Matan. And Matan the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. (laughs) So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations and from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations and from, deport- from the deportation of, to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Man, now I told you that we are going to do an exciting read and you might be wondering what's so exciting about the genealogy. Uh, everyone who probably started as a young boy when I started reading the Bible, uh, you know, they'll tell you to ask you to read the New Testament first and, and you begin with the genealogy. And, uh, you know, no, not many of us probably would have fancied reading the genealogy back then. Uh, but I will say, I'll say one thing. A sign of maturity is the fact that reading the genealogy, you will see the glory of God. And that's one sign of growing in the Lord. Um, the genealogy of, of Christ is a glorious account. It's a supernatural account, the hand of God. From generation to generation. We sang that song today. It's not by accident. From generation to generation, we worship you. These are generations that worship God. 14 plus 14 plus 14 generations. 42 generations in all. Some were corrupt. Some had fallen. Some had their issues. But they had one thing in common. They served the same God. They worshiped the same God. Amen. It's an amazing read. I encourage you to study the genealogy. This season, study the genealogy. You might be wondering, what's the to study in the genealogy? I'll tell you, just, just meditating on this genealogy and going through the details of this record will transform you, can transform you. Yes. Just meditating on the details of the genealogy and, and, and reflecting on the, the, the finer details of what is written here. Can transform you. He can minister so much from this well defined genealogy. Say well defined. It's so well defined. So well defined. And if one of us were to write the genealogy of Christ, we would have avoided a lot of names. We would have definitely avoided a lot of names. It's not too cool to have some of those names in the genealogy of the Messiah. The son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of God. That's right. In Luke chapter 3, the, the, genealogy, the genealogy is mentioned twice. The genealogy of Christ is mentioned twice in the gospel of Matthew and in the gospel of Luke. it has uh, it, Both of them have used a totally different approach to writing the genealogy. With son of God, Adam, Adam the son of God. That's right, Adam, the son of God. Jesus, the son of God, and it goes all the way back to Adam, who was the, the son of God. That is Luke's uh, genealogy. Uh, not, not Luke's genealogy, Luke's version of the genealogy. Study the characters mentioned the genealogy. Study the characters. If not all the characters, pick some characters this season. Before Christmas, pick some of those characters, a handful of them. Study those characters. Study them real close. I tell you, it's a complete package. The genealogy of Christ is a complete package. You have all kinds of people in there who had been through all kinds of situations. All kinds of situations, all kinds of uh, backgrounds, I want to ask a question to all the women in my church. How many women are mentioned in the genealogy of Christ? Who said four? Four. Quite close. Without counting. Shaila is like... <laughs> we read it now. Just try to count in your mind. Without looking into the scripture, try to count in your mind. Three, four, two, one... Suro, <laughs> 4, 3, 2, 1, suru. One more time. One last guess. Four. Five is the right answer. That's right. right. Five is the right answer. The five women mentioned the genealogy according to Matthew. Starts with Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. Consider those characters. I hope you all know who these people are. I hope these are not new names. Who is this? Tamar and, and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba and, and and Mary. Some of you will remember Mary for, for sure. Jesus, the mother of Jesus is Mary, of course. And some of you remember Bathsheba also. For the wrong reasons. But who are the other three? Tamar and Rahab and Ruth. Interesting characters. Interesting characters. Uh, Tamar was uh, the daughter-in-law of Judah. She was denied her, uh, what do you call that word? Leveret. leverage rights. That's called the leverage rights of marriage. Her husband passed away. The firstborn, that of uh, Judah, Er. The, first, the firstborn's name is Er. Yeah, he passed away. He died. Uh, because he died, he did evil in the sight of God. He died, and then uh, the the brother will have to perform the responsibility as a husband. So the second born uh, was given as a husband, or took took her in marriage. Onan. He also did evil in the sight of God. God struck him down, and the youngest was one by the name Shelah. But Judah kept Shelah from her and sent her away, making a false promise. When he is grown up, when he is grown up, you can be his wife. So she understood that she was being deceived and cheated. So what did she do? She acted shrewdly, disguised herself as a harlot, tricked her father-in-law. And slept with him. If you look at the story of Tamar, you will understand that she was not actually desiring the company of a man. That's why it's important to study the characters closely. You you can quickly categorize, okay, Tamar, that's that bad woman who who got into an incestuous relationship with the father-in-law or whatever you want to define her uh, life as. But if you look closely at the the character, you'll see that there's much more than that. She was pursuing justice. She was denied her right. And she was pursuing justice. And the same Judah who got bluffed by Tamar said of her, she's more righteous than me. I hope you all know that. Go back and read the the, the story of Tamar. So that is Tamar for you. The first woman to be mentioned in the genealogy of Christ, according to Matthew. Tamar. Quite a character. Think about it. The next one was Rahab. Who's Rahab? Huh? She hid the spies, but who was she by her, the label that was upon her? She was a harlot. A harlot who lived in the city of Jericho. Known to be a, a bad woman. In that sense, a bad woman. She received favor from the Lord for hiding two Jewish spies in her home. Because she acknowledged God as supreme. And sought the refuge of the living God. And for that she took the... The, 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 one of the greatest risks a woman will ever take, hiding two spies in her home. But the Bible says she did it by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, we probably will have a, a different view. Oh, it was a risk that she took. After all, she is that kind of woman. She does not mind taking the risk. But the Bible says, she com- the Bible commends her faith and says that she, by faith, she hid the spice. She welcomed the spice in in peace. That word one more time. She welcomed the spice in in peace. And God remembered her. The Bible says because she did that. That's Rehab, the second woman in the genealogy. A third woman in the genealogy. I think this is one of the, my favorite characters in the Bible. One of my all-time favorites in the Bible. Ruth. Say Ruth. I love this woman. Ruth. Young widow. Only two books have uh, names by the the names of women. One is Ruth and the other one is Esther. That's right. So Ruth is a young widow who was sl- still in the prime of her youth when she got Became a widow. An exemplary, exemplary character, loyal, hardworking, caring, pure, modest, honest, obedient. That that's what make uh, makes Ruth one of my fa- favorite characters in the Bible. The next one, the fourth one to go, is Bathsheba. Uriah's wife, Uriah's wife—how you want to pronounce it? Malayalam is Uriah. So, Uriah's wife, who was forced into adultery by King David. You can think of her as a, um, a woman with not much of common sense. She took a bath. The king's vantage point. The same person who was supposed to protect her, the king of Israel. The same person who was supposed to be her, her guard and her king abused her. Her husband was killed. Later we read that she lost a child. But God still remembered her. The righteousness of God. She went on to become the mother of the, wi- the second wisest man who walked the face of the earth. And she went on to become featured in, the, in the, the, the genealogy of the wisest man who walked the face of the earth. Amazing. Think about it. The mother of the, the second wisest man. The ancestral mother of the wisest man. Siva, God put her name in the genealogy. Hallelujah. And of course, Mary, an ordinary teenage girl, girl. I believe she was a teenager. That's why I keep referring to Mary as a teenage girl. An ordinary teenage girl, handpicked by the Holy Spirit to play an extraordinary role in the most important mission of heaven, or by heaven. The birth of the savior of, the man, of mankind. Amen. One of a kind woman she was. Always a joy for, for preacher men to preach about this lady. Now God allowed each of these women to be featured in the genealogy. Study these characters closely. I want you to go and study these characters. Gabby, study these characters. Study these characters. Study what was unique, unique about them. Consider their stories. Each one has a story of grace. Each of theirs is a story of grace. Each of their stories tell us how everything changes when God steps into the scene. Everything changes. The label over them changes. The label over them changes, the history changes, the citizenship changes. Everything changes when God steps in. When God steps into the scene. Amen. Each of them were part of a controversial story or a, a scandalous rumor. Over victims of abuse or circumstances. Or they were surviving personal tragedies, not one, maybe many. But the the genealogy of Christ is proof that God is mindful of everyone. That's why I encourage you to study the genealogy. And consider those characters. He's mindful of everyone. God is mindful of everyone. The genealogy of Christ is proof that he can handle any mess. Some of you talk like this. You don't know my situation. You don't know the mess that I'm in. You don't know what I'm facing in life. There's no way I can come out of it. But genealogy is proof that God can handle any mess. I'm talking to somebody this morning. God can handle your mess. God can handle the mess that you're in. The brokenness that you're in. The trouble that you're in. The circumstance that you're in. The situation that you're facing. God can handle it. Read the genealogy of Christ and study the genealogy of Christ. The genealogy is proof that God can continue a story from any point if we let him. That's amazing. And they were all end of story. All of them had one thing in common, end of story. These five characters at least that we mentioned, end of story. But God started when? They let him. The genealogy of of Christ has proved that all things hold together in Christ. The genealogy of Christ. Why do you think their lives were transformed? The way it was transformed. You know why? Because of Christ. Their lives were transformed the way it was transformed because of Christ, who was supposed, who was. About to be born many generations down the line. Everything makes sense in him. The genealogies prove that God desires to make us part of his story. He wants to make you part of his story. He wants to make you a part of his story. When his story is recorded, he wants you to be part of it. That's not a small thing. I don't think it's a small thing for my name to be featured in the story of God. I don't think it's a small thing for your name to be featured in the story of God. Okay, today I would like to look closely into the life of one of these five women. Any guesses? Absolutely. Ruth. Ruth. Being my favorite in this five. Ruth was a Moabite woman. So a Moabite woman means she was not a a part of the the Israeli congregation. She was a a foreigner, so to speak. There's a history to Moab. I'm not going to go into that. Uh, But she was part of this Moabite uh, group or Moabite uh, nation. What does the word Ruth mean? Huh? Honey? Honey, okay, I don't know. No. Nope. Huh? Sorry? Friendship, that's right. Friendship. Friendship. Ruth means friendship. Who is she? An alien. To the household of God. A foreigner. But her name means... Friendship. Amazing. You're not getting this. She was a foreigner. She was not part of the people of God. She was a foreigner. But her name means... Friendship. Now to look into her life in detail... We must first consider the, the context of her life. The context of Ruth's life. And who is the, what is the context of Ruth's life? Naomi is the context of Ruth's life. Naomi is the context of Ruth's life. Ruth's life. So if you want to study Ruth, you have to study Naomi. That's right. So who is Naomi? Elimelech and Naomi had two sons, Mahalon and Shilyon. Okay, let's read that passage. Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 to 5. And I'll, I'll also show you why I, the second reason why I chose Ruth. I'll show you in a minute. Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 to 5. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of, say the word one more time, a certain man of, So it's Christmas time, so I thought I'll talk about, say Bethlehem. Bethlehem, Bethlehem. one more time. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahalon and, and Chilion. Ephratites of Bethlehem in Judah. It's like you're reading the, the New Testament, Bethlehem of Judea. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. They entered the land of where were they from? Bethlehem. Where did they go? Moab. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons, okay so the husband died left with two sons. So she she came. Naomi came with husband and two sons. Once they reached Moab, husband died. Who she left with? The two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. Say Ruth. Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. And then both Mahlon and and Shulian also died. So she came with Elimelech, Mahlon, and Chilion. Elimelech died. The two of the boys got married, and then those two boys died, or two, those two men died. So who she left with? Orpan. Ruth. Say Orpan, Ruth. Orp Ruth. Then both Mahlon and Chilion also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. So the Jewish woman left with two. Moabite daughter-in-laws dwelling in the foreign land of Moab. Now we all know this. This um, what I'm going to ask you: What's the meaning of the word Bethlehem, which is mentioned here? I think Pastor Vin mentioned it. The house of bread. That's right. Bethlehem means house of bread. Now, why did this this family leave Bethlehem and go to Moab? The Bible says they left because of Famine. What's the name of the place? House of bread. But what's the problem now? No bread, lack of bread. That's right. They left the house of bread because there is no bread. No bread in the house of bread. Why do you think there was no bread in the house of bread? Sorry, one more time. That's why right, the wickedness and the disobedience and the sin and the rebellion of the people caused the house of bread to have no bread. And when you read through the Old Testament, you'll realize that every time you see famine, every time you see war, every time you see loss, every time you see a loss of lives, that is because the people rebelled against God, turned away from the His ways and followed after their own gods. So what did God do? To discipline them, he allowed these things to happen. No bread in the house of bread. What is God's plan for the place? House of bread. Was it literal? Yes, literal. House of bread. Also prophetic. Because that's from where the, the bread of heaven will come. So God's plan for the land was to be the house of bread. What was going on there? Famine. Because of Rebellion because of sin, because of repentance. You must understand the context of this, this time frame. Um, the, the, it, it, it mentioned this happened during the time when the judges governed over Israel. One of, the, one of the traits of the people during that time, they were a rebellious people. Easily falling into moral depravity. Easily falling into degradation and rebellion over and over. it is a, a dark age in the history of Israel. Let's read that first. Um, let's look, look at the next two verses. The context is clear now. Let, let's look at verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab. For she heard in the land of Moab that the lord had visited his people in giving them food so she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters in law with her and they went on the way to the, to return to the land of judah so she heard from the people that the lord had visited her people or his people, the Lord has visited his people in giving them bread. Say, bread. bread. So, bread is back in the house of bread. She heard that God has given them bread. He's restored bread in the house of bread by visiting them. Say, Bethlehem. Say, house of bread. Say, famine. On more time, Bethlehem, House of Bread, Famine. Now people can have fancy names, places can have fancy names. But unless the Lord is in the midst, the name makes no sense. Your name can mean great things. Now I did some research on my name many years back and I was very proud about it. I'm going to talk about it now. I was very proud about my name for a certain reason. But this passage tells me that the name does not make any sense. No title will make any sense. House of bread is a good name. Bethlehem is a good name. Revelation is a good name. Does not make any sense unless the Lord is in the midst of that pe- person, of that people. Amen. Until and unless the Lord visits the person or the place, the main remains just a mere name. So what makes a life meaningful is not a fancy name. It's not a a spectacular three-piece name or a two-piece name. It is not a a long tale of qualifications. What makes a life meaningful is not a showcase decorated with awards and trophies and, and medals. No. What makes a a, a life meaningful is not a folder full of certificates. What makes a life meaningful is the presence of God. When God visited his people again, the house of bread became relevant. Even the ones who left the place wanted to come back because it truly is the house house of bread now. Why? Because God has visited the house of bread, making it indeed the house of bread. Hallelujah. There's a call of God upon your life. There's a call of of God upon your lives. What makes it meaningful and relevant is the presence of God in your life. You cannot detach the call of God from the presence of God. Don't try to detach the call of God from the presence of God. Don't be very confident about the call of God without having the presence of God. Without valuing the presence of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in In vain. One more time. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in 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 vain. We just read that the people had to flee from the house of bread for lack of bread. What's the right response when you go through something like that? There's lack of bread. And you know that the hand of the Lord is against you. The people have realized that. The hand of the Lord is not not favorable for them. What's the right response in such a situation? Say repent. Say repent. Say repent. Christians must get used to this word, repent. The answer to your problems is repentance. The answer to your problems is repentance. The answer to your problems is repentance. repentance. Who told you a Christian does not need to repent? Who told you a Christian does not need to repent? What makes you think that a Christian does not have to repent? We must always walk in repentance. You know why? Because the forgiveness of God is a done deal in your life. It's done deal. Unlike the people that we see here, we read about, they had literally, literally entreat the Lord to forgive them. But not us. We've already been forgiven. So we have to always walk in Repentance. Yes. Repent. May the Lord visit you again with His goodness and His mercy and His overflow. Do not be stubborn. Do not be stubborn. Do not be stiff-necked. Do not be obstinate before the Lord. Be submitted to the Lord. Humble yourself. Be repentant. Listen, listen, listen. Do not try. Do not try to survive by your own strength. One more time. Do not try to survive by your own strength. When things go wrong, when things are not going the way you want it to go, do not try to survive by your own wisdom. Do not try to survive by your own strength. Do not try to somehow make it through by your own smartness and your connections. And your plans and your ideas and your brilliance. That's what what Elimelech did. That's what Elimelech did. He realized there's no bread in the house of bread. Smart idea. Relocate to Moab. That's what he did. No bread. Famine in the land. What, is the, what should have been the response? Stay and repent. He could have been the one agent of repentance in that land. The one person who could have initiated repentance for the entire land. But he chose to run away. He chose to run away. With his wife and his two sons. To a foreign land which God does not honor. Nothing can substitute repentance. I, I really hope that, that that felt like a slap on your face. Nothing can substitute repentance. Nothing. Everything else, that's right. Everything else will crumble. Everything else will fall apart. When repentance repentance is due. Give repentance. So he tried. Elimelech tried. His brilliant idea. Let's relocate. He told his wife, let's relocate to Moab. There's food in the land. Run away from this land and settle a new land and work hard. What happened? He lost his life. First thing. Tragedy strikes. That's also right. Yeah. Steps, in, steps into the, in the new place. First tragedy. What's that? The head of the house died. Second mistake. Allowed the two sons to get married with the Moabites. Soon what happened? The two sons died. So she came with a husband and two sons. The, prou- the pride of any woman. To have a husband and two sons. With her. What, would I the, what should have been the response? Repent. Stay. Influence her people to repent. Influence their people to repent. So that God will visit them again. And the house of bread will become the house of bread one more time. Yes. Cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness in, the, in the midst of famine. Cultivate faithfulness. And Repentance. I'll tell you a secret. Repentance is a secret of overflow. You want to experience overflow in your life? Repentance. Quickly repent. Be quick to repent. When the Lord tells you something is not right, tell the Lord, I'm I'm sorry I receive your forgiveness. I, I remain in your forgiveness. I will not look that direction again. I will not try that one more time. I will not make my own plans. I will not try to live independent of you. Repentance is a secret of overflow. Repentance is a secret of sustenance. Now when you are expected to be broken before the Lord, be broken before the Lord. When you are expected to cry out loud before the Lord, cry out loud before the Lord. He will not despise a broken spirit. The Lord will not overlook a contrite heart. He will not overlook tears. It's a blessed state. state. Now we, we, we read about people who sought repentance with tears but could not find it. Sought repentance with tears. Could not find it. There's a time to repent. There's a time to repent. There's a time to be broken. There's a time to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that He will exalt you in. So there's a time for exaltation. If you miss the time to repent, if you miss the time to humble yourself, you will miss the time to be exalted. Not getting this. Are you getting this? If you miss the time to repent, if you miss out on the time to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, you will miss out on God's timing for your exaltation. And that's why we see uh, Christians running from pillar to post. Nothing is working. Nothing is working. Go to that church, go to this church, go to that pastor, this prophet, this apostle. They all lay hands, nothing is happening. Go from one fasting prayer to the next. Nothing is happening. You know why? True repentance repentance has to come from your heart. It has to come from your heart. When nothing seems to be working, try repentance. I I hope you heard that. I hope you heard that. When nothing seems to be working, how many of you face situations like that? Nothing is working. You now, I've, 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 I've heard people tell me this. You know, they come to me for prayer and they say, We've tried everything. Nothing is working. This is the, the answer for that, that dilemma. When nothing is working, try. Try repentance. You know what? Today we heard that from Brother Royce. He said, You access the peace of God. You now, every night when he sits down to pray with his family, he'll check introspection. Are we experiencing the peace of God? If not, repent. Make correction. And access the peace of God. Repentance is your secret. To overflow. A life of overflow. A life of abundance. A life of prosperity. A life of opportunities. You know what you must do? Repent. Be quick to repent. Now look at this. Naomi decided to try that out to return from the land of Moab and go back to Bethlehem. Three deaths in the span of a decade. All the male members, the breadwinners, all of them gone, leaving behind the helpless mother and two young widows without any support The mistake of Elimelech was, to him, the, bread of, the, the house of bread looked like a doomed place. Now, When, we, when nothing is working in our lives, we'll, we are quick to make assessments and uh, you know, we will assess the situation and say, okay, this is a terrible place to be. No, the terrible place, it is it, it, not that you are in a terrible place, it's that you are in a terrible condition. You blame it on the place. You blame it on the people around you. You blame it on the circumstances. No, the problem is with the the person. Moab looked good in his eyes. Bethlehem looked terrible in his eyes. He misread the situation completely. That cost him so much. The problem with Bethlehem was the people of bethlehem needed to repent and that is all that is required repent the lord will restore the name the, the the fame the reputation of being the house of bread this is one step away just one step away your miracle is just a repentance away your breakthrough is just a repentance away. There are things that the Lord has been showing you. You've been ignoring it. You've been overlooking it. You've been neglecting it. You're acting like you didn't hear it from the Lord. You're acting like nobody has pointed out, pointed out to you. You're acting like everything is okay. You are blaming it on the people. You're blaming, blaming it on the place. You're blaming it on everything else around you. But you have to fix yourself first. Get yourself fixed. Go to the presence of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Ask the Lord to fix you up. Repent. Be broken. Cry out loud. Exchange your self-righteousness. For his righteousness. Righteousness. Your pretence must be brought down. Your guard must be dropped to the floor. Stop justifying. The moment you try to correct some people, they will start to justify. No. Who said? That's not what what I meant. But it is because of this. That's my excuse. You must understand that. And then they'll end up making a stupid decision. Ignoring all the advice. Ignoring the voice of God. Ignoring the voice of correction. The truth spoken over them in love. They end up in trouble. A relocation will not change your problem. A change of heart will work. A change of heart will work. Your heart of stone must change. Your heart of stone must change. Try changing. It's like, okay, you have a car. Somebody's car got in trouble recently. You go to a garage and they say, there's a problem with this thing. You change that. You drive out. And you realize that the car is still having the same problem. Because you tried to fix the wrong thing, which is not really broken. The real issue is with something else. That's how many Christians live. Elimelech did the same thing. He thought, okay, maybe relocating to this new place will fix my problems, will take care of my situation. You should have known better. Fix your heart, Elimelech. Fix your heart, get right with God, Elimelech. Get right with God. You and your family sit together and pray. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord. Seek peace. Seek peace. Seek the Lord's face. Seek the counsel of God. Instead of trying to run from this place to that place, making your own plans, coming out with your own plans. Now what happened? When Elimelech and his family were away, facing all those tragedies, back in Bethlehem, some people repented. God honored their repentance. He visited that place and restored back bread to them. So the story of Ruth, a significant story, a prophetic story. Why is it a prophetic story? You know who is Ruth prophetically? The church, the Gentile race. The story of Ruth is a story of redemption. And Boaz is a type of Christ. She never deserved to be redeemed. But she found favor. She found favor. Her her mother-in-law found favor. The one who lost her husband and two sons, she found favor. And was redeemed by a rich man by the name Boaz. Boaz redeemed them. Redemption starts with the repentance. Redemption starts with the repentance. The story of redemption starts with the repentance. You you can try different things, but it will not take you to the end. Which is, repent, which is redemption. You want the end to be redemption of your situation? Start with repentance. Start with repentance. Return back to God. Return to the place where God has called you to be. Return to the place where God wants you to be. Return. Return. Go back. Say go back. Tell your neighbor go back. Go back to the place where God wants you to be. Repent. Change your heart. Change your heart. Mend your ways. Not your garments. Mend your ways. And then the Lord will redeem you. The Lord will redeem you. Naomi was broken. She was broken. It took her a while. But she surely knew that her her God will redeem her somehow. Three major tragedies later, she did not decide to run to a new place. She did not decide to commit suicide. Think about that. What a tragedy that was. Three deaths. No support. She did not decide to go somewhere else. She did not decide to, okay, let me end my life. She decided to go back to the place where God wanted her to be. The house of bread. You want God to build you up? be broken yourself. You want God to build you up? Be broken yourself. Naomi wanted somebody to build her up. Naomi wanted God to build her up. The first step she took, she was broken. You can see that in her language, the way she spoke to her two daughter-in-laws, the way she spoke when she reached back Bethlehem and how she spoke to the, the onlookers. She was broken. Repentant, acknowledge her condition, did not pretend. Let's read verse, verse 8. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The dead referring to her two sons. May the Lord grant that you may be, you may find rest each in the house of her husband. And she kissed them. And they lifted up their voices and wept. So in simpler language, Naomi was releasing them. She called the two daughters-in-law and said, You're free. You don't have to come with me. You can go where you want to go. Go back to your father's household. Go back to be with your mother. Get married again. Have a good life. Verse 10. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? See the brokenness of Naomi? Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I, have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, Would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is harder for me. Look at that. For it is harder for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. She recognized the situation. All this is happening. She did not say it is because of the bad weather. She did not say it is because of bad treatment she received in Moab. Two sons died, husband died because of doctor's mistake. No, she did not blame it on anybody. She said, it is because the hand of the Lord is against me. I need to get right with God. You return, go back to your place, be blessed. I bless you, I release you. But I have business with God. I have to go back and repent. I have to go back and repent. So she discouraged them from following her. She told them, There is nothing for her to give them, to offer them. And she persuaded them to go back and get married, considering that they are young. If Naomi was not a broken character, you know what she would have done? She would have persuaded them and tricked them to stay with her. Manipulated them, that's right. She would have manipulated their decision. She would have manipulated their decisions to stay with her. Offered her, offered them some great things. Come with me to Bethlehem. I'll give you a wonderful place. Now We'll have a good life there. But she was broken. She didn't want to pretend. Honest. She's come to the end of a road. And she realized the only way out of this is to turn to God. Go back to the place and acknowledge truth for what it is. Ignore the truth. The hand of the Lord is, the hand of the Lord is against me. The hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. Now today, Christian, today's Christian generation struggles to come to this conclusion. Today's Christian generation struggles to come to this conclusion. When things go wrong, wrong one after the other. Instead of coming to terms with the truth that okay something is not right between me and God. They will try to find excuses. Do you know that a Christian is designed. The very, the, the, the very new birth itself is a design. A plan of God to prosper you and not to harm you. A Christian has entered the plan of God to be prospered. To flourish. If things are not happening that way, there is something wrong in the equation. There is something wrong in the chemistry. It does not take rocket science to figure that out. Repeated failures is not the portion of a Christian. Going from one trouble to the next continually is not the plan of God for a Christian. Told you this before. You know what's our problem? We benchmark our lives against that of people in the world and we think our lives must have the same share of troubles like those who are in the world. No! It's, for, it's, it's not for nothing that Christ died. We heard that today. The chastisement for our well-being fell upon him. He died so that you will be well. He died that you can have Peace and wholeness. So when things are not right, you must understand there is an anomaly. Something does not add up. Something is not right. When nothing is working, try repentance. When nothing is working, try repentance. Close that planning book of yours. Close that planning book of yours. Stop searching on the internet for new plans. For new places. For new jobs. For new career options. Your problem is with the heart. God wants to fix it for you. The Holy Spirit will fix it for you. But you have to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. You have to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Submit. To the hand of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. Quit making your own plans. So don't, don't, see, don't struggle to come to this conclusion. Things are going wrong. Over and over, again and again, things are going wrong. It's not working out, not working out, not working out, not working out. Something is wrong. Hold on. Take stock. Figure out what it is. Sit with the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit. Don't consult your friends. Don't take that phone and call up your friend and ask him what is wrong. No, he will not know. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. So instead of drawing closer to God, acknowledging mistakes and receiving of his forgiveness, many Christians play the the justification card, the excuses card. The blame game. They blame everybody they blame the best friend they blame the, the the husband they blame wife they blame the children they blame the parents they blame the church they blame the pastor they blame everybody around them why because somehow they have to explain what is wrong and when they're done with everybody it'll be too late that's right time is fast and you will you will seek Repentance with tears be hard to find. Now, I'll tell you something. The easiest thing for a Christian to do in life must be to repent. The easiest thing for a Christian to do in life must be to repent. The easiest thing for a Christian to do must be to take correction. That must be the easiest thing. The easiest thing that you do in life, what is that? To take correction. Today we are struggling, we make it so complicated, we make it so complex, we make it so hard to understand. We are are searching for excuses, when one excuse runs out, we, we go for the next one, we make the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Do not build your castle with excuses. Do not do not build your castle with excuses. It's flimsier than cards. It'll fall apart faster than how cards will fall apart. And you will not realize the truth. That's right. Because you are you are forsaking the love of truth. That's right. You're forsaking the love of truth. You know what will happen? Eventually you'll stop realizing what is true. Verse 14. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And the Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. Clung to her. Clung to, her. Clung to whom? Ruth clung to her. To whom? To Naomi. Who is Naomi? Who is Naomi? Define Naomi to me. Describe her. A poor old widow. Helpless. Without support. In a foreign land. No savings. No money. At the end of a road. But the Bible says Ruth clung to her. When Orpa left, kissed goodbye, and left, Ruth clung to this nothing, this nobody. You know what Orpa was doing? Orpa saw opportunities back in her home. The love of her family, the love of her clique, the love of her friends, her gang, huh? her gods, that's right. That's right. The next verse, in fact, specifies that. Verse 15. Then she said, who said? Naomi. She said, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her. And her. And her. Till then, Naomi did not mention about her gods. But when she left... Naomi realize this or so Naomi makes it very plain. She has gone back to her people and her every decision that you make is a spiritual decision. It's about serving God or not serving God. Every decision whether you're going back or staying whether you're going back or staying every decision it's a spiritual decision. Every decision is about serving God or not. Now what's there? I mean, look at that. I mean, the mother-in-law released them. They both were released by the mother-in-law. They, she did not ask them to persuade them to stay. Orpah just did the right thing. I mean, that that, that makes sense. See, she's a young widow. She's got life before her. Opportunities awaiting her. She lo- looks like that she did the right thing. The Bible very clearly says she has gone back to her people and her and the gods. Every decision, everyday decisions, everyday decisions, listen to me, everyday decisions that you make is about this. Are you serving your God or are you serving a foreign God? Every decision, every decision. Your decisions will show who you serve as God. Your gang will show who you serve as God. Your friendships will show who you serve as God. Your company will show who you serve as God. Your location will show who you serve as God. Verse 16, but Ruth said, does not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And listen to this: and your God, my God. Every decision is a spiritual decision. Every decision is about whether you want to serve God or not. Don't confuse between this. Don't don't get confused. There's no confusion. There is absolutely no confusion. The world will try to confuse you, but there is no confusion. Every decision that you make in life is about serving God or not. You want to go back to your father's household? It's about serving God or not. You want to stick with, cling to this woman who looks like a nothing, a nobody? That's a decision to serve God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I will be, I will and there I will be buried. There I will be buried. When you read this, it's, it's almost like Ruth made her way, found her way into the genealogy of Christ. She, found, she squeezed herself into the genealogy of Christ. And she was looking for an opportunity, somehow squeeze herself in into the genealogy of Christ. Or, Orpah could have been the, that's right, it's a, that's right, she got grafted, the grafting happened, what we read about in the, in the New Testament happened in the Old Testament, the grafting took place, Orpah could have been in the same place by the way, the name would have, could have been Orpah in the genealogy of Christ. Some of you don't know this, but I'll tell you something. In, in some of your cases, you are chosen even above your own siblings. Probably your sibling or siblings had better opportunities. They had better chances. They had better um, conditions. But God picked you. God picked you. The election by grace. The election by grace. Look at her words. Underlines the fact that where you want to be and what you want to do is a spiritual decision. Can either honor God or dishonor God by your decision. Now where, what you want to study, where you want to go after your 12th century is a spiritual decision. Don't think it's a carried decision. It is not a carried decision. It is not a carrier decision, Debbie. What you want to do in life is not a carrier decision. It's not about your future, it's about whether you want to serve God or not. Amen. Orpah felt it is safer to be with her people. She felt it is better to serve her gods. She decided to pursue her dreams. Ruth, on the other hand, wanted to be loyal. She wanted to have friendship with God. She was an alien, a stranger, an enemy of God. But she was seeking friendship with God. Friendship with God. By turning her back to her gods, her father's gods, and turning herself to Naomi's God, she was seeking friendship with God. You want friendship? Fine. You get featured in Matthew chapter 1. That's what God said. Generations will read about you. Only five are handpicked from the female, entire female folk. Only five. And I'll place you. I'll place you right there in the middle. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. The core of her decision was your God is my God. Everything else she said is all based on that one decision. Your God is my God. Your God is my God. From today on, your God is my God. Which means your people, my people. Where you die, I'll die. Where you live, I'll live. Where you dwell, I'll dwell. Because your God is my God. Verse 18. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So, she, so, so they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. This is not the Naomi, isn't it? Isn't that Naomi who went with Elimelech and two sons, two boys? Isn't that Naomi? The entire city was stirred. But she came back totally different. Is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Naomi means beautiful, by the way. Pleasant, that's what it means. Do not call me beautiful. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. But the Lord has brought me back empty. The end result of every wrong decision that you make. You will go out full. But you will come back empty. If the Lord is not in your going out. You will come back empty. If the Lord is not in your going out. You will come back empty. If the Lord is not in your planning, your plan will come to nothing. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Left full, came back empty. She is making her repentance known to everyone. It's not like she's throwing a pity party there. She's making her repentance known to everyone. She's acknowledging her true condition. She's not trying to pretend. She does not want to pretend like, you know, back in Moab, everything was fantastic. I've just come for holidays. My husband and my two sons, they're well. I just came with my daughter-in-law. Just to visit you all. I'm doing good. Some people are like that. How are you doing? Good, good, good. What is good? Empty. Everything is empty. Only smoke is remaining. What's the answer? Good. Everything is doing good. Great. But she was not like that. She wanted the people to know that the Lord's hand was against her and her family. That she has gone through a situation because of her disobedience or her husband's wrong decision. She went out full but she is coming back empty. Do not call me beautiful. There's nothing pretty about me. There's nothing pretty about me. Call me bitter. I'm broken. I'm broken. I want some of you to know this. If you can just shed tears before the Lord, you're sorted. If you can just shed tears before the Lord, you're sorted in life. The problem is you're too strong of a man or a woman. You don't want anybody to see tears, not even God. And You, you, you show that flint face in front of everyone. On the inside, you're miserable. You're stinking. You're broken. But you can't let it out. You can't worship God. You know, sometimes I, when I stand here, today I was standing there, but usually I stand here. Or when I'm standing there, wherever I'm standing in worship, and I, and I get a glimpse of the people who are worshipping, I sometimes wonder, where is the brokenness? Where are the tears? Sometimes I feel for the band. They have to play up in the front every week. I wonder, are they missing out on the tears? Are they missing out on the bowing down? And the lifting of hands? No, I, 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 I feel for them. And my prayer is that they'll be able to do it even from up here. My prayer for you is that you'll be able to do it even from up here. Today I was playing a, an instrument that I'm not used to. And every time I, had, I have to catch myself telling my, I have to tell myself, no, worship. Worship now. Because you're so worried about whether you'll make a mistake. Because you're in, the, in this band with amazing people who everybody can play every, every other instrument. If in the morning they come. You go, okay, you, you, today you hold this and play. They'll play, but not at the expense of worship. Not at the expense of worship. Don't miss out on worship. Don't miss out on crying before the Lord. When is the last time you cried before the Lord? When is the last time you wet your, your pillows, crying, just crying, just telling Him how much you love Him, just reflecting of His goodness, on His goodness. When is the last time you you went on your knees? When is the last time you fell prostrate on the floor? When is the last time? The mark of true repentance is this, no pretense. Yes, the Lord dealt bitterly with me. Yes, the Lord brought me back empty. Yes, the Lord has afflicted me. She's not saying, I'm done. That's not. What, that's what she's saying. But she's saying, I've realized my mistake. This is the end of all my labor. But I'm coming back. I'm coming back with what I've got. I've lost everything. But I've got somebody with me now. The one who said, I am better to you than, ten, than seven sons. She lost two sons. God gave somebody Better to her, to her, better than seven sons. Should read how, how this this woman, how this lady, young lady, young widow took care of her mother-in-law in a foreign land, which she chose to call her own. Took the risk. She was a, I mean, she was a very forward-going lady. She had to be like that. She had to be in the field of, a fo- of another man. She had to glean amongst where other young men are there. She had to take the risk. Because she has to feed her mother-in-law and herself. Every time she was given some food, we'll come to that maybe next week. Let's read verse 22 and it close. So Naomi returned and with her, Ruth the Moabitess her daughter in law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. That's the God that we serve. You choose to repent, he'll open a season of harvest for you. You choose to repent, he will open a new season of harvest for you. You uh, know, surely Naomi was not thinking about barley harvest when she left. She was not thinking about okay, this, this, the 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 beginning of barley harvest. She was not thinking about that. She wanted to go back. She wanted to be back in the house of bread with her people, and she wanted to repent for the mistakes that she and her husbands did by leaving her land, her homeland. But when she came back, repentant, having decided to get back to God, the Lord said, "You come to the come in the right season." barley harvest harvest season harvest season are you ready to repent are, are you ready to repent get ready to harvest if you are ready to repent get ready to reap your harvest now you will start to glean first and then you'll go let's pray thank you jesus Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Thank you for these amazing characters depicted in your word with such intricate details about their lives. That we can look at their lives. We can look at what happened, what transpired in their lives. The seasons they've been through. The decisions that they've made. The results, the outcomes. What they went through, what they've been through. They're examples, as your word says. They are, these are examples to us. Thank you Lord for Naomi's example, for Ruth's example. Thank you for these examples. And We don't have to struggle the way they, they would have struggled. We don't have to go through the same struggles, but we can immediately recognize what's the right thing to do in life. We can look at Naomi's Naomi's life and, and we can immediately recognize that we need to repent. We need to return. We need to acknowledge the truth. We need to shed our pretense. Looking at Ruth's life. We can learn that every decision is a spiritual decision. Every decision is about whether we are serving you or not. Thank you, Lord, that the word makes it very simple for us. Though we try to complicate it, you keep it simple for us to understand. Every decision, even today, Lord, the decision that we took today, this last 12 and a half hours that went by, on, on this day, even those decisions are about whether we want to serve you or not. Lord, we desire to live a life of repentance, a life of humility before you. Where we will not deny correction, where we will not be where we, we will not disconnect ourselves from worship, where we will not be hard-hearted or stubborn, but we'll be quick to repent, soft, soft as flesh, not hard as stone, but soft as flesh. May we, may we be people who easily shed tears. May we be people who will easily fall on our knees. May we be people who will easily fall prostrate before the Lord. May we be people who welcome correction. And appreciate the voice of truth. And honor those in authority over us. And receive instruction from godly counselors. Most importantly, from the Holy Spirit. Lord, you've done something amazing in our midst today. You have served us bread, fresh bread, that we may relish of this fresh bread and be strengthened. Every single one of us here, as we go out of the sanctuary. May we return to the house of bread. The place of your provision. May our decisions reflect a returning to the things of God. A heart of repentance. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Dry bones are coming alive. Dry bones are coming alive. Barren wombs are being quickened. Land will become plentiful. God will fill you yet again. Yes, He will fill you yet again based on your decision today. He will fill you. He will satisfy you. He will satisfy you. He will let you behold his salvation. Seek friendship with God. Do not seek friendship with the world. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Seek friendship with God. Be Ruth. Be Ruth. Seek friendship with the living God. Say goodbye to the gods of this world. Say goodbye to the gods of this world. There's only one God. There's only one God. Serve Him and Him alone. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Be convinced about it. Be convinced about it. Make no mistakes about it. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for clarity. We receive it. Let it manifest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hello, this is koshi I'm sure this podcast has blessed you. Do subscribe to our channel for more messages and follow us on social media to stay connected. May God bless you.